Good morning. Good to see everybody here. Welcome to you guys that are joining us online. So I just want to go off a little bit what Jennifer said on this whole intentional Christmas idea. So if you've not been here, uh, I want to kind of give you the, the motivation because I have this like love-hate relationship with the holidays um, and I have always had this love-hate relationship with the holidays. Like I love Jesus. I hate trying to get all the holidays figured out, you know, and here's the reason. So you know, one of the things that happens during this whole holiday season, especially now, um, so I have eight kids, and do you ever try to figure out how to get eight kids together on one weekend? Anybody? Nobody else has eight children. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Like, you're trying to figure out what works in everybody's schedule, and it doesn't always work, and not everybody can come, but you want to be able to get it together, and you got to pick a time that works. And then a big change for this year, so... Um, I've never bought a Christmas gift or wrapped a Christmas gift in my entire life. And now Sherry's gone, and I'm like, they're in trouble. So they're going to be like, like, can you just give them money? You know, isn't that the thing? And go out and buy whatever you want. It's like, well, that kills the whole spirit behind it all. And I want to, like, bang my head on the concrete. You know, the thought of having to go out and try to figure out how to purchase gifts and wrap gifts and never put up a Christmas tree in my life either. So like that whole like thing that goes with it, you know, and then it's just a, the busyness that goes with the holidays. You know what I mean? Like you get really busy and, and it all started with, you know, Thanksgiving and Black Friday, even though I don't think Black Friday is as big as a deal as it used to be. But anyway, this whole shopping and got to get all the right presents and you got to, you know, make sure that, you know, you get them all wrapped and get them ready to go. And then you got to figure out how to pay for them all, you know, afterwards, which is always the challenge. So a lot of times what happens during the Christmas season is we miss the reason for the Christmas season, right? Because you're so busy getting caught up in getting everything done that you miss this idea that we need to be intentional by what we're really celebrating, although we tend to miss, you know, the whole reason for doing it. So we want to help you. That's why we're doing Intentional Christmas is to try to keep the focus, you know, on what we're trying to get done. And it caps off with our Eve Eve service. So if you've never been here at Life, we do an Eve Eve service, and there's uh, a couple reasons behind that. Um, the main reason that we do our Eve Eve service and the way that we do it is because we have said this from the beginning, that's an opportunity for us to share the gospel. So we are going to, like, we just tell you up front, this is going to be an opportunity. We're going to share the gospel. We're not going to be ashamed about it, and we're going to hope that people give their life to Jesus Christ. Like, that's what we're doing. Not that we don't share the gospel all the time, but very specifically, this is an opportunity for people to hear and respond. And we do it on Eve Eve for a reason, because we feel like Christmas Eve is your family time, that you're doing stuff, and sometimes, sometimes it's hard to invite your friends to something because then they have an excuse. Well, you know why I can't come, right? Because I have something on Christmas Eve that I can't come to. So we're saying, like, if you do it on Eve Eve, what excuse is there usually for you to be able to invite your friends and for you to be a part of it? So we're hoping that the Eve Eve service is something that you prayerfully consider. Who are you going to invite? Who needs to, to hear about the love of Jesus Christ or need to be reminded of the love of Jesus Christ? And we're going to help you celebrate it together on Eve Eve. It's a great night, great opportunity, so make sure you mark that on your calendar. And I'm hoping that this intentional Christmas season that we do will help you keep the focus on the reason that we do all of these things. All right, so we're wrapping up the series called Dream Again. And again, the reason that I did the series is because I felt like if you talk to the majority of people, a lot of people have stopped dreaming. And, you know, there could be numerous different reasons why people stop dreaming. But we wanted to try to figure out, as Christian people, should we be dreaming, right? Is it something that God says that we should do? So, in Acts 2, that was our foundational scripture. So in Acts 2, um, and you can go back and look at it, he gives us this foundation that would say it all started like this. Like if you ever, you know, sometimes we get caught up in religion and stuff and we forget how all of this started. Sometimes I think it's good to go back to where we started. Acts is where it all started, right? So if you want to know how the movement started, what went on in the beginning, and what he's hoping that we will carry on in the future, go to Acts, right? It's the Acts of the Apostles. These are the things that they did after they, you know, were trained by Jesus. And so anyway, so they're sitting in an upper room. They're waiting on the Holy Spirit. The reason they're waiting on the Holy Spirit is because God has a mission for them, and he said you can't do the mission without the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes, 
right? And he says, now you're going to do things that you were unable to do before. So that was the foundation. So the foundation for if you want to dream again, part of the problem that you're not dreaming is all the barriers in front of you. And so we said from the beginning, Jesus said, you're going to have the Holy Spirit and he's going to help you remove those barriers because he's going to help you do things you could never do in the past, okay? And he said specifically for all people, okay? So this isn't for special people or religious people or this is for all people who give their life to Jesus Christ. You're going to do three things. You're going to prophesy, which remember back then, you know, Old Testament, Jesus talked to prophets and then the prophets talked to people, right? New Testament, Jesus comes. Who does he talk to now? Everyone, right? So he's talking to all people. So he says, you're going to do three things. You're going to prophesy, which would mean this. So he's going to give a message to Tyler specifically so Tyler can give the message to Jim. That's prophecy, right? God gave me something to give to somebody else. Tyler, I want you to know, and I want you to tell somebody this. That's what prophecy is. So he said he's going to speak to his people, and then they're going to prophesy, which means they're going to speak into the lives of other people or speak into a group of other people. But he said, you're going to do it, right? He also said that you're going to dream dreams, and you're going to have visions, and this is for all people. Now, Here's my question to all of you. Think about this. So I'm guessing this to be true after starting this series and talking to people. If you sit in a room of 200 people or you sit in a room of 100 people or you sit in a room of 50 people and you gather them all around and you say, here, I got a question for you. How many of you in the last six months have prophesied? How many of you dream dreams? And I'm not saying weird dreams, like dreams from God, like God gave you a dream in your sleep to reveal something to you, and how many of you have seen a vision, which is, means something that you have as a daydream, like it happens while you're awake and you see something, but all of those motivated by God speaking to you, if you had a room of people and you gathered them together, my guess is the majority of people would be like, I haven't got any of those. Would you guys agree? Like the majority of people be like, I ain't prophesying. I ain't heard nothing. I for sure ain't got a dream, you know, an old vision stuff. Like, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. I don't know if it's from God, but would we all agree that most people are there? So here's the question. Why? If he says to all people, the gift of the Holy Spirit will come and live in you and all people will do these things. You're going to prophesy, you're going to dream, you're going to get visions. Why is it that you don't have them? Was it be like, well, you know, they canceled that part of scripture and you don't get, that one doesn't count anymore? Or could it be, or could it be that we as Christian people have lost the ability to dream? Or we've lost the foundation of dreaming. Could it be that? Like, could it just be that we've come to this place as Christian people where, because it, it just could be that for all of us is that part of these dreams and part of these things that have come into us, like, we've tried it and maybe it didn't work. You know, some of you have done that before, like, you've tried it and it didn't work, and so you're like, I'm never trying it again. You know, the funny thing about life churches is that, you know, we had a dream, we had to come and plant the church, and, and, and you find this with a lot of people, you know, we didn't know anybody, like, we didn't know one person other than Shane and Jen, because they moved over here with us when we came to plant life. And so the whole idea is, if you're going to plant a church, like you actually have to know somebody. You know what I mean? Like you got to get to know some people and you got to figure out how to plant the church. And the funny thing was is that we would go around and we would talk to people and we'd be like, you know, it's kind of like the whole, like when people find something out about you, they have an immediate response. So just like when I'm introduced myself where people will be like, hey, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, I'm a pastor. You know what the natural response is? This is why I don't go to church, just so you know, right? Like people will be like, this is the reason I don't go. It's for some reason, they want to respond that way. And when we said, hey, why are you here? And we're like, we're here to plant a church. Their natural response was, I'm never doing that again. Right? Like, I'm never sticking my foot back into that fire again. And we're going to talk a little bit about that later. But sometimes it was, I gave it a chance and it didn't work. Right? And I gave it a chance and I wanted it to work, but it didn't work. And so how do we open ourselves up to dreaming again? So we started with that there's danger in not dreaming. Right? So we already know that God said we can establish this, right? All people will see visions, all people will have dreams, and all people will prophesy. Doesn't mean you'll have them every day, doesn't mean you'll get them every day, but for all people, that's the gift that he's given you, 
We're all good with that? So we talked about what's the danger. So if there's some motivation behind this and you're sitting here today and you would have been one of those sitting in a room saying, I've never had a vision, I've never had a dream, and I've never heard God talk to me. Why should we be motivated for God to speak to us in those ways? Here's why. Because we all know that you're going to be accountable for your life, right? So we said this in the beginning, 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, every single person will stand in front of the judgment seat of Christ, and you're going to have to answer a question, two, one, what did you do with Jesus? But the other point being is, what did you do with your life? And so the reason that Jesus gives us dreams, right? The reason that he gives us stuff, prophecies, dreams, and vision is because he wants you to do something with your life, Right? There's a plan, right? This is the cool thing about all of us. There's a plan for each one of us in this room, right? We all have the same one. He's given it to all of us. Reach people, teach people, send them back out to reach people, right? That's the plan. You're all going to do it in different ways, but at the end of the day, that's the plan for everybody's life. Everybody's got the same bottom line, the same foundation. You're supposed to reach people, you're supposed to teach people, you're supposed to send people, When you get to heaven and you stand in front of the judgment seat of Christ, you know what you're accountable for? Did you reach anybody? Did you teach anybody? Did you send anybody back out to reach more people? What'd you do with your time, right? Like, you're going to be accountable to that. So if you're sitting here being like, ah, like I haven't done and I, you know, I haven't been thinking about and I don't know, you know, at the end of the day, you know, uh, I haven't been focused on any of those things. Just so you know, one day you're going to give an answer. So now you can get away with it, right? Like now nobody's going to look at you and be like, why aren't you living your life on purpose for Jesus? Let's be honest, right? Like nobody's looking at you saying, why aren't you living on purpose for Jesus? And why aren't you reaching people? Nobody's saying those things to you. Everybody's encouraging you to stay busy and distracted because that's what the rest of the world does. Stay busy, stay distracted, go down the road, do whatever you need to do to be able to get it done. So the danger in not dreaming is you're going to be held accountable and how, not where, you spend eternity is going to be determined by what you did with your life. You know, so I hope hope all of us We'll, we'll think about that and know that our lives need to count and need to make a difference. But you know what we also said? There's danger in dreaming, right? What's the danger of becoming a dreamer? What if you do get to that point where you're saying, you know what, I'm going to open myself up and I'm going I'm to allow myself to dream. You know what the danger in dreaming is? One is, is that you're going to face opposition, right? So if you're going to be a dreamer, you're going to face opposition. And you know what the funny part about Um, opposition is, sometimes it comes from the least expected places ever. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you think you're going to get opposition, you know, but uh, from certain people, but then when you get the opposition from the people that you don't think it should come from, you're like, what in the world is going on, right? Like what's happening in all these things? In fact, when we... um, came to Plant Life Church, so we were all excited. I don't know if you remember the story of, like, we were going to go to Central School, and then we got this building, and we're so excited because we're, like, it's move-in ready. You know, we can just come in, and we're not, I mean, we already spent a bunch of money, but it's going to be move-in ready, and we're going to just be able to jump in and, and, and do it, and then the fire marshal came, and he's like, well, <laughs> just so you know, there's a change of occupancy now, and so here's the list of things that you have to get done. You know, one was to put up this firewall, you know, pier that you see, like three, four, five, six, I don't even know how many layers are there, but it's a whole bunch. The other thing is, you know, when you first walk in, there's that stairwell that goes upstairs. So that stairwell was never there before. And so I can remember, it was right in the beginning, we're trying to get everything done. We put the stairwell in, we're here on a Saturday morning, I think, pouring concrete in each one of those steps so that we could get the, the stairwell done. And guess who shows up? All the pastors, not all of them, but a big group of pastors from Huntington, you know, and I'm thinking it's the welcome wagon, you know, they're all here to cheer us on, like, we're so happy that you're here, but you know how the story's going? They come in and their, their question was, why are you here planning a church? We don't need you or want you. And I'm like, <laughs> You know, I have a little bit of a sarcastic side to me, and, you know, so I tend not to always respond maybe with the most 
godly manner, you know, in it. And I'm like, you know why I'm here? <laughs> you know why we came to plant a church? Because there's 110 of them already and it ain't working. That's all. You know, I'm saying, I don't mean it that way, but I'm just like, I don't even know what to tell you. Like, I, we're here because there's a lot of churches in Huntington, and there's still a lot of people that don't know Jesus. So we're coming to plant a church with the hope that we can play a, a, a role in all this. And then they're like, and you know what we heard? You don't have a ministry degree. And I'm like, I know, isn't that cool? That's who Jesus uses. <laughs> right? Like Jesus uses the people who aren't always qualified. And I'm like, thank the Lord. Like it's, he uses the throwaways in the world that love him. You know, and I'm thankful for that. But would you expect that kind of opposition? You know what I mean? You don't expect that from people, right? You don't expect that, you know, from, from a group of people that you think you're on the same team with. But can I just tell you right now, part of the problem in the church is we're not all on the same page and we're not all on the same team. That's a problem, Right? We got to get back to the purpose and we got to be back on the same team, right? You got to be at this place because here's the other thing that happens, you know? So when you start dreaming, not only are you going to have opposition, but sometimes you're going to get distracted, right? Sometimes you get distracted because you got to know that Satan can give you dreams also. So I always tell people this. Sometimes I think you, you get confused when people say Satan's out there to destroy you. You know what I think one of the best ways to destroy you is to make you successful, like, they, the greatest destroying of people that are trying to live on purpose is just give them everything they want, right? Why not just give them everything they want? Because, you know, when you're busy and you're distracted and you get everything you want, guess who you're not thinking of? You know what I mean? Because, you know, when, when, when your life sucks, <laughs> you know what I mean? When you hit those rough parts, who do we usually think about? I need, to, I need to change. I haven't been in church in a while. I need to pray more. I need to open my Bible more. I need to seek him more because your life's... So why would he break you? That's just pushing you more into him. Why not just make you successful and comfortable? Right? If I make you successful and comfortable, then you're going to forget. And you're going to stay busy. And you're going to stay distracted. And you're going to forget the purpose. Right? And that's what I've always said. Dreams are given to us to keep us out of our comfort zone. Right? And my mission at this church, as long as you keep me, you know, as long as they keep me around, you're never going to be comfortable. Because I don't think that's the way we're supposed to be. The church was never supposed to be comfortable. Right? The church was never supposed to be created to stay comfortable. The church was supposed to be created to be on mission. And when you're on mission, it's not comfortable. Right? When you move into those places, it's not comfortable. And at times we lose focus when our only focus is to be comfortable, right? And I, I just want us to think about that because in the midst of dreaming, there's going to be opposition. And if you go out onto that limb and you take those steps out there, you're going to face opposition from people you never thought it would come from. But at the end of the day, we got to remember what is our purpose. Now, here's what we're going to talk about today. Danger in not dreaming, danger in dreaming. What I want to focus on today is, why aren't we dreaming? Why is it that we are at a place now in our lives or in the Christian church that we have stopped expecting, expecting God to do things more than we could ever ask for or imagine, and he's going to do it through you? Why have we stopped expecting that? Why have we just been okay with gathering together and singing a few songs and maybe clapping a few times and then just going back out into life and existing? Why have we been okay with that? God didn't create you just to exist. God created you to change the world. Right? God created you so that you could be a world changer. Your plan A on changing the world. Don't just be okay with existing all the way through because it's not what he wants. So, if you have a Bible, here's what we're going to focus on today. It's going to be Luke 5. And Luke 5, 1 through 11, we're going to use this text to talk about this idea of how do we get back to the place that we can be dreamers again? Like, what's going to give us this motivation to be dreamers? What's going to give us the foundation to be 
and have those type of dreams so that he can reveal them to us. And we're going to look at some practical applications. So how can you personally get to that place? So in Luke 5, starting in verse 1, let me read all the way through it. Luke 5, starting in verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gesenaret, the people who were crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he, uh, he saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said uh, to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say no, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For all of his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee and Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, and they left everything and followed him. I'm going to start with the end, and then we're going to build back into what the scripture says. At the end of this, Jesus says to Simon, if you follow me, I'm going to make you into something. What's he going to make him into? A fisher of men. Here's what I want you guys to understand. Like, listen, you were created, like, today, you got to get up and have breath. It was a gift. Today was a gift from God that you were able to get up and have breath. And you know why you still have breath? Because you still have purpose. And you know what your purpose is? To fish for people. That's your purpose. You get a chance to live today as a gift because there's still somebody to reach and he wants to use you. There's still something to do and you are plan A. Why you still have breath? You still have purpose, right? Here's part of the problem, right? You know why we don't have dreams anymore? It's because you forgot your purpose. I've always said the, the closer you grow to Jesus Christ in the relationship, the more you will yearn for those people who are lost, right? And I've always said, like, you know what part of the problem in the church today is? They don't care about lost people anymore. They care more about comfort and community than they do the lost. Right? I mean, think about this. Like I've always said, why aren't churches growing? Why aren't churches growing? Yeah, I mean, here's the idea. Is it because there's no lost people to reach? No, right? Like there's lost people to reach, why aren't they being reached? And here's what I've said. Here's what I think part of the problem is. The church has focused more on keeping themselves comfortable than they had on being uncomfortable. Because you know what happens when you go to reach lost people? God's going to give you visions and dreams. It's going to make you uncomfortable. And guess what? It's going to make the church uncomfortable. Was anybody here? Just a question. Anybody here when we did Cowboy Church a long time ago? Way back when? One. Courtney's the only one, too. So here's the deal way back when. Because this is what you're going to know about Life Church. When Life Church, when we get visions and dreams, I don't mean this bad, but we don't really care about your comfort. Right? We're going to try to figure out how to reach people. So back then, I was riding with Lexi over to sta- uh, Stable, and when I went there, the same thing happened. What do you do for a living? I'm a pastor, and all the guys who were in the, the roping part of it said, well, the reason we don't come to church, because you know what we do every weekend? We rodeo. So guess what? You know, I went home and I'm like, these are all people. These are great guys. I want to reach men. What are we going to do, right? So God gives me, you know, a vision. What's going to be the vision? Take the rodeo to the stable, right? So we decide, you know what we're going to do? We're going to close down Life Church and we're going to go out and we're going to have church at 
Manasseh stable, and here's what we're going to do. So there's going to be a country concert on Friday night, and we had people being like, can the worship team really sing country music? <laughs> what is going on right now? You know what I mean? Like, yes, it's not illegal or immoral to sing, well, maybe some country music. Like, I don't listen to country music, but there might be something out there they shouldn't be singing. But you hear what I'm saying, right? Like, then we're going to have a barrel race on Saturday, and then on Sunday we're going to do a roping, and then after the roping we're going to do church, and then we're going to baptize people in horse troughs, right? And we said this to the church, are you all excited? And some of them be like, yeah, and some are like, well, is it going to be outside? Yes, it's a stable. It's outside. I don't know. Well, what are you going to do about giving? And I'm like, what do you mean? Well, you know, if you don't have a Sunday, you're not going to get an offering. You don't get an offering, you're not going to be able to pay the bill. And I'm like, who cares about money? There are people who need Jesus. He'll figure out the money, won't he? We're closing church and we're going out there because you know why? That's where the people are. And you know what? The the church is, not everybody, but a lot of times the, first, the church's first response is like, are we allowed to do that? It's not like a normal Sunday morning. You know, and they get all anxious. It's like you, somebody sat in your seat today and you couldn't sit in it and you don't know what to do. <laughs> right? This is what happens in the church. You get so used to something. In fact, I tell people this, and I've said it in our Go and Tell Evangelism. I've said it in a men's group. When you go to pick a church, I just want to tell you, listen. This is the only reason you should pick Life Church, because it helps you reach your friends, period. Not whether it makes you comfortable, not whether you like the music, not whether you like the pastor. Does it help you reach your friends? Because at the end of the day, you know what you're going to be accountable for? Not whether you were comfortable in your church or you kept it from dying, right? Because some people make decisions to stay at a church because they're worried the church will die if you leave. No, the church will die because God chose it to die. He's either going to make it work or it's not, but it's not their church or my church. It's God's church, right? They, the success and failure of a church is not on the pastor or the worship leader or the thing. The success and failure of a church is all on God. You're either going to have the lampstand and be on mission or the lampstand's coming off. Just because you stay there doesn't mean that he's going to keep the lampstand there. Just because there are people there doesn't mean that it's not dead. Pick a church that keeps you on mission, that keeps you focused, because at the end of the day, that's what you're going to be accountable for. So find a place that helps you stick with those things. Because the thing that happens with Christian people is when it comes to reaching the lost, we all have the barriers. You know what I mean? Everybody has a barrier. I tried once, and they said no. Right? I put myself out there and it was a really uncomfortable situation. And you know, you know what I mean? Like there were barriers because I've always said part of the reason that the church doesn't reach the lost or we don't reach the lost is because it's too hard to overcome the barriers. But you know why that's crap? You know why that's crap? You know why that saying that is crap? It's because you'll remove all other barriers in life for something that you want. Right? I mean, think about this for a second. Black Friday. <laughs> like... It used to be, I don't know if they still do this. Somebody in the first service said they still do this. They did the big journal gazette, and it had all the ads in it, you know, and you cut out the ads. Does that happen anymore? Well, Black Friday isn't what it really used to be, right? But anyway, back in the day, you have your Thanksgiving dinner. After you're done with your Thanksgiving dinner and you're done with your food coma, then you get out the journal gazette, and you make a plan right? And you're cutting out all the things and there's going to be this, you know, you can save $50 on a TV when you go to this place. If you end up at this time and wait in these lines and people trampling people and all these things that go with it, like you'll make a plan to stay up all night to be able to get it done to save $50 on something that's stupid. I'm like, you'll overcome that barrier to stay up all night and wait in lines to get something that if you just would have saved your money, you could afford the $50 later. Like, you do it, right? Like, people do this. You know why people do that? Because they love it. So they'll overcome all the barriers of waiting in long lines and doing all the stuff that goes with it because they needed to remove the barriers. And so part of today is, like, my own thing. That one's not me because if somebody asked me to shop Black Friday, it'd be like, hope there's an excuse because I ain't going. <laughs> I ain't shopping. Some of these other things is me, right? Like, Here's some barriers, like when it comes to hunting and fishing. 
camo, dopey, dope, you know, buck attractant, you know, bow, spent $1,700 on a boat, like whatever it takes to kill something, I'm killing something, right? <laughs> Setting up tree stands, looking at cameras, scouting out the land, making it all work, like I'm going to remove the barriers to killing something, right? Like you figure it out. Or like fishing, like you go out to fish and you can't catch anything and then there's this gimmick on TV if you just buy this thing that really looks like a fish, you know, and it's like real life and then you order it online, you get it and there's like 50 of them and they don't work either. Like you overcome the barriers to be able to get it done. You'll go out in the woods and you'll put in all the work that you can to overcome barriers because we naturally are people, if we want something, you'll do whatever it takes to overcome the barrier, right? Think about your kids, how many of us, and, and I'm not, and again, when I say this, this is us, so I'm not pointing a finger at you. So one of the things that we learned when our kids were in high school, like if they wanted to play high school athletics, they're going to have to travel, right? That's the new thing. So your kids got to travel. If they don't travel, then they're never going to play. And so all of a sudden, this travel market opened up, and, and you, you know, it comes with travel. It's like you're busy all the time, right? Like you got to figure it out. And so I can remember a time where Lexi was in a horseback riding thing with, you know, where she would travel around with horseback riding. She was in travel basketball and travel volleyball all at the same time, right? And I'm like, what are we, what are we doing, you know? Number one, how do you afford it, right? Like, we're working all these jobs just to be able to keep this up, to be able to do this for what, right? Just so you can play high school athletics. Like, why are we, why are we gone every weekend? Why are we going down this road? But at the time, You'll do whatever it takes, right, to get their kids or your kids an opportunity, right? And I sit back there, and one time Sherry and I were sitting down, we're talking about this. We'll overcome every barrier in the world for our kids to be successful in athletics, but what about overcoming the barrier and them being able to reach their friends? Like, we traveled a lot of weekends and spent a lot of money, but how much money and time are we spending on them reaching their friends? Because, you know, you could get pretty busy overcoming the barriers to achieve things that don't matter at all in the end. Anybody? Right? Like, you could, get going, you could go through all these things and remove all these barriers and be successful, and your kid could play in high school. But still reach no one. And still be unequipped to go out into this world and figure out how to be able to reach their friends. Right? Like foundationally, we've got to get back to this place where when we look at all of these barriers and all the things that we're willing to rip down in culture to be successful, but why won't you rip down the barriers when it comes to reaching people? Right? Like, why won't we get to this place where what matters in the end matters today? Right? Where we're going to take down whatever barriers possible. Because I've heard people do this. Like, one of the barriers is somebody said no to me. If you you know, better been in sales school or around, you know, sales. You know what they tell you in sales? For every one yes you get is a hundred no's. And salesmen keep selling. You know why? Because their motivation is selling and money, right? So you're going to go out there and get a hundred no's just so you can get one yes. You got one no. Okay, somebody ain't coming to church. Big deal. Invite a hundred more of them. Because what would happen? What would happen? Think about this. What would happen if one said yes? You know, I've thought about this a lot. This guy brought this up in men's group uh, Monday night. You know what my, like, one of my greatest desires is, is that because I lived on purpose, when I stand in front of Jesus someday, the next greatest thing that could happen after he welcomes me into eternity and we start evaluating life is busloads of people that get bused to the gates. And you know why they're coming off? They're coming off to say, thank you. They're coming off to say, thank you for the sacrifice. Thank you for living on purpose. Thank you that when you met me at the front door, and I'm saying this for you, thank you when you met me at the front door when my week was terrible and you gave me a smile and you opened up my heart to the love of Jesus Christ and I came into a service and I met Jesus for the first time and it changed my entire life and you didn't even know it, but they're gonna welcome you in and they're gonna say thank you. Thank you for the money that you gave that you had no idea was put into this and put into this to be able to provide an opportunity to change the lives of some other people. Wouldn't that be cool? That when you walk up there someday, the buses come in and people start walking off. Thank you. Thank you that you weren't distracted. Thank you that you weren't selfish. Thank you that you thought about me. Right? 
Could there be anything better than that? For us as Christian people, that needs to be, we need to be focused on that. Because you know when you're focused on that, believe me, you'll be driven to dream. Right? You're going to be driven to dream when your motivation is there's a lost world. If you, listen, if you saw what Jesus Christ sees right now on this earth and how many people are dying a Christless eternity, and you could see where they're going to spend eternity, and he's saying, and I need you to be able to get it done, you would be motivated to dream. Because you know what? They might be your friends, and they might be your children. And if you saw those people that you love in a Christless eternity, believe me, you would ask God, give me a vision. Give me a dream. Give me what it, speak to me, give me a word, do something, because this is unacceptable, right? And so the motivation for us to dream has to start with, you have to care about what he cares about, and that's lost people. And you have to be motivated to say, you know what, I'm not equipped, and I'm not ready, and I know all these things, but at the end of the day, God, give me a vision, because I don't want to see my friends spend eternity in hell. I don't want to be at that place. So I'm going to give you some practical application here to end it up, some, some practical application to help you uh, get, it, get to that place. Because we know that there's barriers to overcome in life, and we figured out how to remove those barriers. But here's what I want you to think about as I give you these three things. When was the last time that you prayed for somebody by name that was lost? Just think about this. You know what I mean? Because we know that we will break down barriers for the things that we value and are motivated for. When's the last time you prayed for somebody by name that was lost? When was the last time that you invited somebody to church? Because you know, church is a vehicle to reach lost people, right? And it's a partnership together with you. And if the way that we reach people is you and us together, when's the last person that you invited somebody to church? And the only reason I ask you to ask yourself those questions because sometimes it's quite revealing of what we care about, right? Because if you haven't thought about or prayed for somebody who was lost in the past six months of your life, again, this isn't condemnation. This is just a question. Then do you really care? Something to process for each one of us. All right, here's three things I want you to think about. Practical application. If you're going to do it, right, back to the scripture, if we're going to do it and we're going to dream and we're going to allow God to use us, here's the first one. You need to practice listening and you need to practice obedience, okay? Listening meaning this. If you want God to be able to give you a dream, then you have to be at the point where you're willing to listen, okay? So you have to be at the place where you're going to open, open up your heart and you're going to open up your mind to God speaking into your life, you know? And, and again, we know this. God wants to speak to you. If you're not hearing, if, if dreams aren't coming, if visions aren't coming, if those things aren't coming, it's not because he doesn't want to speak, right? He wants to be able to speak into your life. So we know that he wants to be able to speak. So we got to listen and we got to have obedience. In fact, this is what the scripture says. He says, put out into deep water. This is back to the scripture we're reading before. Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, right? Natural. If you're going to go in, this is why I say it's listening and obedience, because you know how many times you're going to hear something from God and say, I tried it before? I already talked to that person, and they said no 10 years ago, right? I already talked to that person, and they rejected a long time ago. I, I know I've already tried that method, and it didn't work. Listening and obedience. This is where Peter was. You want me to put it out into the deep water? Do you know what we've been doing all day? Fishing. You know what wasn't working? Fishing, right? Fishing. We ain't catching nothing, right? So then he comes back to, because this is going to be your life. God's going to ask you to do some things you're going to look at, and you're like, that's the dumbest idea ever, or that's outrageous, and it will never work. The question is, and so we still do it, right? Because that's what you got to get to. It can't just be listening and no obedience, because you know what happens when it's listening without obedience? That voice gets less and less. And more quiet and more quiet till pretty soon it's gone. Not that he doesn't want to speak, but you came to the place where you don't want to listen. So you know what? He has somebody else to talk to. 
Because you know what? He is going to accomplish his vision on this earth. You can either be a part of it or you cannot be a part of it. And he's going to use those who are open to listen and be obedient. The movement of Jesus Christ in this world is not going to stop. The question is, will you and will we be a church that listens and are obedient to it? I want to be a part of it. I want to do it. So I'm going to listen and I'm going to be obedient even though it doesn't make sense. Here's the next one. Be okay with trading one problem for another. Taking one problem and trading it for another. Here's what it says in the scripture. They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that it began to... Another problem. (laughs) Can we just admit this? Life's full of problems and you just have a choice. You can either be where God is or where he's not because you're not removing the problems. I would rather be where he is with those problems than I would rather than being over here and have live in problems without him. That's what he's saying. If you're going to reach lost people, if you've ever done this before and you're going to reach and teach them and send it, do you know how messy it is? A few people are shaking your head because you've done it, right? It's not like, God, I did my job. And now all of a sudden you're like, now I have three more problems, Right? But now the problems matter for eternity. The other problems were things that didn't matter, but this one is one that does matter. And so we've got to be willing to say, I'm willing to, to trade one problem for another because here's what I know. At the end of the day, problems are never going to go away, but I want to be where he is. And he's where these problems are, where the boat is sinking, right? Not where you ain't catching no fish. Because you're going to catch fish. That's what he told you. I'm making you into a fisher of men. The biggest problem you're going to have is what do you do with all the fish in the boat? Your biggest problem is, is how am I going to handle all these relationships or what am I going to do with these people? It's not going to be I'm sitting out there doing nothing. That's not what he said. You've got to have a problem that now people are coming and what do you do? Here's the next one. It says, when you look, uh, when you look in the mirror, see yourself as God sees you. So here's what it says in Scripture. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up onto shore and left everything and followed him. So the band's going to come back up. We're going to end it up. Here's what I want you to process. So when you look at the mirror, in fact, I would just ask you to to possibly do this, you know, just as an exercise. Look in the mirror and what do you see? What do you see? You know, when you look in the mirror, what do you see? And a lot of times what we see is, is that, you know, not just from your like what you look like, but like this is who I am. I'm identified by being a business owner, by being a mom, by, you know what I mean? Like this is what we see. This is what the world sees. This is, this is how everybody sees me, right? You're a pastor, you're a cattle farmer, you're a business owner, you're, a, you know what I mean? That's what people see, right? Here's what I want you to look at and, and process because this is gonna help you dream. All of those things, like for me, you're a preacher, you're a you know, cattle farmer, you're a pig farmer, you're a business owner, all those things. Like those things are all true, but you know who I really am? A son of God and a fisher of men. That's who he made me to be. All of these other things, preacher, pig farmer, cattle farmer, you know, business owner, you know why all those exist? Because I'm a fisher of men and a son of God. That's the only reason they exist. It's the only reason they're supposed to be used. It's the only reason that they're out there. It's the only reason that God keeps them alive, right? They're only alive for a reason. The only place that's out there is because he wants to use those things in the midst of my life because my identity isn't in these things. My identity and what I'm going to stand in front of Jesus and be held accountable for is I am a son of God and a fisher of men and everything else is just purposeful living because I am this, right? I'm this. And the same question is to you. Who are you? Who are you? What defines you? Are you defined by being a fisher of men? Are you defined by someone who cares about lost people and you're dreaming about, God, give me a dream. My friends are lost. My family's lost. The people around me are lost. Give me a dream. Give me a vision. I want to reach them. I want to be a part of the journey. I want to do something about it. Because if you are taking on the right identity, right, the identity that 
God, give us of being a fisher of men. You will have a heart for lost people and he will give you dreams and visions and prophecies to be able to see those things come true. Right? Because that's how he wants to use you. Now, here's my challenge. If you're distracted right now, it's okay to be like you were, you're distracted and you're missing the point of life. It's okay to just admit that. Right? It's okay to just say, you know what, I've been distracted. I forgot. I forgot my purpose. I'm not living on purpose. But at least admit it. Can you at least admit today, you know what, I've been distracted. I've been off course. God, get me back on course. Like, help me care about what you care about. Help me refocus my life and don't let me get distracted. Satan's kept me busy, but I'm going to be on purpose. Satan's kept me distracted, but I'm going to live focused, right? Admit it. Admitting it at least allows God to get you back on the right track. And here's the other thing. I want to challenge you with something that's deep inside of my heart. So one of the things that, that has always been uh, very heavy on me is to never stand in front of Jesus and have a bunch of what ifs. Like, I don't want to have the what ifs. What if I would have? What if I would have talked to? What if I would have, you know, took a step in? What if I would have gave to? What, you know, I don't want that in my life. In fact, Andy Andrews in his book, you know, the final summit, he, he takes this guy and uh, he goes into this room and in this room, it's all about the things that could have been. You know, and in this room, he walks around and he sees all of these things that could have been. And he's like, why didn't you get, you know, he looks at the angel Gabriel and he says, why wasn't these things come true? And he says, because you weren't listening, because those people weren't listening. It's not that God doesn't want to give it. It's because people sat back and didn't want to receive it. God's waiting to give you what you need to change the world. He wants to give you, he doesn't want the what ifs. He doesn't want it to be like, well, if I don't, you know, all this uncertainty in our life, he's going to say, open yourself up. I want to use you. You are my plan. I want you to be a part of this. I never want you to walk into a room and say, what if? But I want you to live in a life of what is, right? And how I can use you today. So that's my prayer for each one of us. Will you stand so I can pray for you? So Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, one of the things that we recognize, it's easy to get distracted away from our purpose and away from the things that you want in our lives. So Heavenly Father, I pray today that you will alleviate the distractions that's keeping us from living on purpose. Lord, I just pray if that hit home with any of us, like we haven't thought about lost people, yearned for lost people in a while, Lord, will you give us that heart back? Will you give us an openness to what you see? Will you give us eyes to see this world in the way that you see it? And Lord, most of all, will you give us courage? Like we need courage. Like this isn't an easy battle. You're gonna get opposition in the midst of dreaming, Lord. Will you give us the courage to fight through opposition Will you give us a reminder that the reason we have breath today is because we have purpose? And so, Lord, part of moving forward in all of this is the willingness to surrender all of our plans and our ideas and our dreams to yours. So, Lord, I pray today as we sing this last song that we won't just surrender parts of our lives, but we'll surrender all of our life. And, Lord, that you will use us in amazing ways to dream dreams, to see visions, to prophesy to change the world. Lord, use us. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
So I think for all of us, that's a great mantra, right? A great song for as we go out and we process this whole idea is how we're going to dream, what we're going to do. Like it seems insurmountable at times, but you could just start with this. I surrender it all. Like you can use me. I'm an open vessel. Use me to help change the world. And I just think you'll be surprised how God will reveal dreams and visions and, and words to you. So my prayer for you is that surrender all, allow God to speak, allow him to use us to change the world. We're looking forward to this Christmas season that's coming up, Intentional Christmas. We invite you guys to come back again next week as we get that started. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next week.